if we look at the year 2020, even my gosh, (laughs) there's so many things, you know, what would it look like if all of these systems that make up our lives were just 1% more egregious? What decisions would we make? What talent would we hire? Uh, What lives could we impact? If you're standing on a threshold, if you feel a yearning to tap into your greatest potential, but you're caught in that fuzzy in-between space of the now and not yet, don't despair. You're being invited to pivot with greater purpose. You're on the thrilling edge of becoming. You are being called to unleash your soul song. I'm Becky Fleischer, and I believe we're all born with a gift that's uniquely ours, our very own soul song. And I discovered on my own journey that when we unleash it into the world, man, does it make life sing. You might express it through writing, science, cooking, nursing, teaching, or some other endeavor. The song is different for each of us, and its expression can change throughout your life, but it can only sing when you're in tune with your truest self. I know you're trying to get things in focus, that you're looking for encouragement and practical tools to illuminate your own personal journey, and that's what you're gonna get here. I'm excited to travel this road with you. Let's get going. Welcome back to another episode of Unleash Your Soul Song. I'm your host, Becky Fleischer. How's everyone feeling today? I am feeling super grateful. Super, super grateful. Huge thank you to everyone who's been reaching out in response to last week's episode about the free coaching opportunity and this new venture that I'm heading out into. I'll admit I had all the nerves when I hit publish on that show. (laughs) Stepping into something new is exciting, but it's also a little intimidating That voice inside of your head and my head was definitely, you know, getting loud and saying, what will people think and will they find value in this and will I be any good at this at all? So all the doubts, all the chatter, everything was flooding in and it's just so hard to turn down sometimes. But I turned it down. I used some of my techniques and I got those voices under control And it feels good to have taken this step. And I love hearing from you guys. So thank you so, so much. I'm actually recording this show just a few days after it aired. Today is Tuesday. I know you'll be listening to this on a Monday or later, but I'm recording this on a Tuesday, the day after my free coaching show came out. So I haven't yet checked to see how many of you have actually applied for free coaching because I told myself I wasn't going to look until Friday. Because not everyone listens to the show on Monday when it comes out. People listen at all times of the week. And I wanted to give everyone time to tune in and consider the offer. And I just didn't want to ride that roller coaster of emotions with every refresh of the Google form to see if anyone applied. So as I'm recording right now, I can't tell you if those spots are filled or not. I hope that they're filled, but I don't know for sure. So if you're like, oh, dang, I meant to go apply for that, but you forgot, I'd say just head on over to the website anyway. You never know. TheIntuneExperience.com. The spots may still be available. And if not, you can always get on my mailing list because I've got another free opportunity coming your way very, very soon that I'm very excited about. And if you're on my mailing list you will be the first to know so you won't get blocked out again. 
So head over to my website, theintuneexperience.com. Look for the coaching if that has already taken up or even if you're not interested in the coaching, but you're just interested in being the first to hear about what's to come next. Be sure to sign up for my email. Honest to goodness, you guys, I haven't sent one email out yet. (laughs) Thank you for people who have signed up for my email, downloading my song Shift, which was a gift for signing up for my email list. But everyone can tell you who has signed up, I'm not a spammer. I don't have time for that. So (laughs) you're only going to hear from me if I have something valuable for you. So don't worry about that. If you really want to know what's coming up, pop on my list. I promise I'll only send you emails that matter. So if you did apply for coaching and you're listening to this and thinking, hey, I filled that form out. What's happening? Hopefully you've heard from me by now. If not, you will very soon. And thank you for heading over there and filling that out and taking interest. Now, I swear I didn't plan this out. It just worked out this way that today we're talking about courage. Specifically, what would you do if you were just 1% more courageous? And I feel like that's just what I did last week when I hit publish on that episode. It just took 1% more courage to go ahead and put it out there into the world. And you know what? 1% doesn't sound like a lot, does it? Just 1%. But dang, you guys, it's really powerful. That's a very powerful percentage. So about a month ago, I sat down with Judith Martinez. She's an intersectional social impact advocate and CEO of In Her Shoes, the modern woman's community for courage. Man, I love that. When she said that in this interview, the modern woman's community for courage— Ooh, I kind of got goosebumps. I really like that a lot. In Her Shoes movement helps redefine traditional standards of what it looks like to be a successful woman today, particularly at the intersection of entrepreneurship, media, and social impact through workshops, community events, and more. Since its launch, the organization has impacted thousands of young girls, women, and communities in the pursuit of possibility. Their partners in Courage include household names like Google, Splendid, Teen Vogue, the University of Pennsylvania, and Yale. And as its founder and CEO, Judith has been featured in Forbes, NASDAQ, Refinery29, BuzzFeed, Parade Magazine. Those are just to name a few. She's worked with organizations on the front lines of social impact like Ashoka, Good Inc., the Unreasonable Institute, and she has shared her voice on behalf of youth at the United Nations Youth Assembly. She's worked with global leaders such as former White House Chief of Staff Leon Panetta on activating leadership in youth, and is the co-author of Students Lead Now, the first book written by students for students on student leadership in higher education. She was named a Forbes 30 Under 30 nominee and was most recently selected to be a United State of Women ambassador representing the state of California. If all of that wasn't enough, in honor of Women's History Month, which we just celebrated, Judith just became the latest recipient of the Stuart Weissman and Vital Voices Grant, which was awarded by Serena Williams. She is a sought-after voice as a leader at the intersection of social justice and the future of human capital, emphasis on the human. And what a lovely human she is. I really enjoyed getting to know her, learning about her journey, and the work she's doing within her shoes. I know you'll get a lot out of this conversation as well, so let's jump right in. Judith Martinez, welcome to Unleash Your Soul Song. I'm so happy to have you here with us today. I am too. Thanks for having me, Becky. 
I have to start off the show with a little confession that as I was prepping for our conversation, I listened to an interview you did when you talked about your nickname being Jude and that you have frequently been serenaded by the Beatles song, Hey Jude. Is that right? (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) Well, as someone who you are the founder and CEO of a nonprofit that was selected by Mogul as one of the best places to work for Gen Z, I thought you would appreciate a really sweet memory that I have of that song because I'm a musician and my band actually played a holiday party for Bomba Socks. I don't know if you're familiar with that company. I am. (laughs) Yeah, another great social-driven or social impact driven group. They have such comfortable socks, but they have that buy a pair, give a pair. But anyway, their their founder and their CEO is just, he was so wonderful. He's the one who hired us. And their whole team was just so great from the event planner to the employees that were there that night. And, you know, it's always so wonderful when you see a company that runs with such integrity, which I think is very aligned with what you're doing. And I thought you would find that it's interesting that their group theme song is Hey Jude. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know why, but ever since that night, whenever I hear that song or I think about that song, I have the most positive associations with it. When I've been learning about your work and what you're doing and the fact that song is also associated with you as well, I have to believe there's some kind of magic to that song that goes way beyond the Beatles. So when I, when I heard that, I was like, no way. Like She's so amazing and she's doing all these amazing things and to have that song circulating around you too is really special. Oh my gosh. I love that story. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) Now that is the epitome of of definite sweet serendipity. And I'm honored that that's a memory that you even have tied to the song and potentially now tied to me. So that's that's a great honor. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I love it. I love music and I love having musical associations. So that's a good one. So, but why don't we go ahead and bring our listeners up to speed here and tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you're doing in the world. Yes. So hello, everyone, for joining us. I'm Judith, and I am the CEO and founder of In Her Shoes, which is the modern woman's community for courage. And essentially, who we are is a nonprofit organization that's based in the United States, in California specifically. And everything that we do really begins and ends with one question, which is, what would you do if you were just 1% more courageous? So this has been literally the self-autobiographical kind of question that's led me to the point of being a founder today. And a recent exciting victory, I think, for us and an organization, especially during Women's History Month, uh, we were recently selected by Serena Williams and Stuart Weitzman uh, for our impact. And we're excited to bring our mission and catalyze the world that much more. That's fantastic. You have so many accomplishments and recognitions. It's so impressive, not only just because of the work that you've done, but also because how young you are. You know, I know that you were recognized by the Next Big Thing movement as one of 2017's top millennial influencers, and you were also nominated to join the ranks of the Forbes 30 Under 30. It's really something. So could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got going down such a trailblazing path at such a young age? Yeah, you know, I... It's so funny. I never really think about that <laughs> in terms of just the the work that I feel very fortunate enough to have been part of and the work that I feel fortunate enough in her shoes has been able to catalyze. But if my background is, you know, I'm a first generation student. I'm Filipino American. I grew up actually speaking Filipino first before English. And, you know, my parents were immigrants from the Philippines. And so I think a lot of my life 
was always surrounded and part of this conversation of community and this pursuit of the quote unquote American dream, which I think a lot of people can resonate with no matter your age. Mm-hmm. And I think those unique intersectionalities just happen to also paint my life in terms of searching for, but also challenging well, what is this quote unquote American dream and better yet, what's my dream outside of the identity of, of my family and my culture. And I think being raised in such a communal conversation also painted a lot of the way that I viewed the world, which was social impact and social justice for all. And so I think just, you know, getting onto this quote unquote trail felt so natural to me. You know, it's just, it's just what I am passionate about. And I think that's part of what makes it possible when folks have their passion intersect with what the world needs. It doesn't really matter your age. <laughs> I would I would think. I mean, I've learned so many things from gosh, from students that are in the 5th grade, you know, who I feel like are teaching me something on a daily basis. Uh, so I don't know if that answers your question, Becky, but that's that's my background uh and formerly just going to school. I I was a philosophy major in the heart of Silicon Valley, which Looking back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. That should have been telling in terms of <laughs> kind of the unconventional pathways I'd probably end up chasing. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. And do I understand correctly, you created or founded In Her Shoes right after you graduated from college. Is that right? Yes, I did. I kind of accidentally fell, in, fell into founderhood. Yeah, I would love to hear about that and how that happened. Yes. So part of my story and, and really what links to this whole question at the heart of inner shoes of, you know, what would you do if you're 1% more courageous is 10 weeks before I graduated from university, I got the yes that I was chasing my entire life, which was at the time a law school acceptance letter. You know, I think for me, I, I would always say coming out of the womb, my life was pretty much self-determined for me by my parents. And for them, you know, I was either going to be a doctor or a lawyer. And it was the yellow brick road to success was, okay, she's going to be a lawyer, but not just any lawyer. She'll be a corporate lawyer, a wealthy lawyer, a successful lawyer that will be married with kids and, you know, follow mm-hmm. that, that algorithm that I think a lot of people grow up with, especially as young women. Uh, and so in getting this acceptance that I felt like was this big dream that I needed to fulfill it really dawned on me that, oh my gosh, I don't want this. And and what happens when you get the yes that you've been chasing only to realize all you want to say is no. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a terrifying place, at least for me, it was. And so I've always had this passion and affinity for social entrepreneurship, but I never saw myself as qualified enough, old enough, wealthy enough let alone just experienced enough to how dare I have an idea and let alone have the world know about it. And so really just starting in her shoes came from, I think this like seed of a dream that I had even as a little girl, which was really, I want to help other girls and women that are like me. And so long story short of it, I ended up secretly declining my law school acceptance, which I don't recommend. (laughs) Um, I lied to my family for like four months and I told them I am deferring law school, uh, knowing that they would completely flip out if I were to tell them, Hey, you know, 
all those sacrifices you made for me, you know, that great school I worked hard for to get scholarship into, well, I'm not going anymore. (laughs) So that was really this like secret I was hiding. And it wasn't until the fall after I graduated from college. So a few months later, I mustered up the courage to actually tell my parents. And I think it was the first time where I actually introduced who I was to them. Wow. You know, as like Judith. And then in her shoes, I was just like, you know, I kind of imploded my life, <laughs> kind of just like hit this button. So there's really nowhere to go, but up from here, like what else could I possibly do? So I took the leap and inner shoes actually started as a Kickstarter campaign. Wow. That's, that's really an incredible story. I, I can't imagine going against the expectations of your parents like that and how difficult that must've been. I think external expectations can really put a vice grip around our dreams, our desires, and, you know, having the courage to listen to the yearnings of your soul can be really hard to honor when you have external forces telling you that you should be doing something else. So I think that's incredible that you were brave enough to do that at at that time in your life. Thank you. Yeah, I I feel, you know, I'm I'm sure I'm speaking to a kindred spirit, Becky. I know that your story is very similar in terms of hearing the whispers, right? That that call to you. And so I think a lot of times for me at least personally, it was more painful to remain inauthentic to myself than it was to take the leap. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually when the the break point comes. When yeah. you're just so uncomfortable, you can't stay in that space any longer. You have to really honor. So this brings me to a question I have about In Her Shoes. I love the fact that your organizing principle is around one simple question. And I love it because I do think that when people start to make a major life shift when they have a major pivot or they hear the call, you know, the whispers from their soul calling up, it usually comes in the form of a question. And so the fact that your whole operating platform is based off of what would you do if you were 1% more courageous, I'm so curious, where exactly did that come from? Did that come from your experience of going through and saying to your parents, I'm not you know, this is not who I want to be an attorney. I want to be something else. Or did it come from somewhere else? It's such a defined question. I'm just curious where it sprouted out. Yes. I mean, I definitely give credit to, gosh, the years of just being a really oddball, curious child, like sticking roly polies up my nose to you know, <laughs> trying to see what, what the clouds could look like if it was a wizard or a unicorn. So I think I, I've always known myself to be a very introspective person. And I think that began to manifest itself that much more as my field of study in my undergraduate career. Like I changed my major three times and when I finally landed on philosophy, I found myself delving deeper into these kind of esoteric existential questions. And so I think already having that mindset and approach to inquiry Mm. um, led to really the question that first came up for me when I opened that law school letter was, if I wasn't afraid, what would I do? Mm. And so that eventually evolved into what would you do if you're 1% more courageous? Because I realized as a recovering perfectionist (laughs) and as a recovering 10-year planner and, you know, algorithm is king pretty much was like my mindset. I, I feel like the the source of that question really delved from, you know, what would I do in this next moment? Like, I may not know 
what's the future. And, you know, I don't have a 10 year plan anymore, but maybe if I could just take it one step at a time, which was really radical for me as like a planner. Um, and so, yeah, I would say that's really where it was the source. Yeah. I I was wondering about that. Like you just said, if I just took one step, because the 1% is there's so many things just about that whole question that stand out, but the 1% really stands out because, you know, I've, I've heard the tale that if a, a captain at sea, if they just change the, the trajectory of their ship by 3%, if they just change the direction that the ship is going by 3%, you'll end up in a completely different part of the ocean, you know, and you think, gosh, 3%, that's not very much. You wouldn't think that you would go too far away from your intended destination, but a 3% shift in the ocean will take you to a completely different place. So 1% doesn't sound like very much, but it's enough. It's enough, right? It is. It is. And I, I love that you say it's enough because I think, you know, there's there's so many dualities and, and layers to that question, which I think is very much intentional, you know, mm. for most of inner shoes, but also too, it's to challenge people to reconsider their perception of reality. And it's not at the level of individual, it's also at the level of organization. I mean, if we look at the year 2020, even, my gosh, (laughs) there's so many things, you know, what would it look like if all of these systems that make up our lives were just 1% more egregious? What decisions would we make? What talent would we hire? Uh, What lives could we impact as brands? And so I think, that's also, I love that you mentioned it is enough. Yeah. It's a great place to start. Not such an intimidating starting point. You know, 1% doesn't sound, okay, okay I could do 1%. I could be 1% more courageous. So that's, I, I love it. It's such an opening and welcoming, inviting question. And it does pique your curiosity. I'm curious, since you're a philosophy major, I wonder if you would like to wax poetic a little bit about what being courageous means to you as you think about that question, as you think about the mission of In Her Shoes, what exactly does that look like, being courageous? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I am constantly asking myself that, to be completely honest. And I think today, you know, in this moment on this call with you, being 1% more courageous looks like being willing to be wrong and being willing to to continuously learn. You know, I think my definition of courage has always meant, you know, feeling afraid and acting anyway. Um, But even in that, I think as I'm continuously growing and evolving and learning, especially as we're facing this quote unquote new normal, I'm finding myself at the edge and at the brink of discovering in the middle of unknown. And so I think part of encountering the unknown is being willing to be wrong and being willing to be a beginner again. And so there are so many aspects of courage that I think that's that's really what lands for me today and what it means to me in, in my life specifically. Yeah, I think that you're right about that. Being willing to be a beginner again. I think so many of us are being pulled back to that space and 2020 did it. I mean, it really pulled us back. We had to really rethink. We had to relook. We have to relearn. We have to unlearn so much that last year forced us to do. I'm curious, did your work within her shoes, did that change at all with the experience of last year? Has your mission held steady? Did you make any changes based on all of the, you know, situations and the circumstances going on in the country? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think from just a a physical, (laughs) from the physical realm, we completely just went remote like everyone else, Mm -hmm. Um, all pivoting all of our programming to be online. But I think part of the changes too, is it had us ask, you know, sometimes answers just lead to more questions. And so even in pivoting to the digital space, it then became, wow. So now we're beginning to realize that the students in some of the communities that we're impacting don't even have access to Wi-Fi. Mm. So then became a question of scarcity and equity and equality, right? Like there was, there were so many different integrated, I think, layers to last year that had us ask ourselves as an organization, well, what would we do if we were 1% more courageous? And especially in light of, you know, the uprising of, of calling for social justice and racial justice throughout last year as well, on top of a global pandemic, right? So I just think there's, there were so many shifts and changes. And I think one, one big thing that really caught our attention and made us excited and also, again, willing, like scared, willing to be a beginner, learning to navigate as we're blindly trying to figure things out was noticing there was a shift in who our audience was, who our community was, Mm. you know, historically we've been catering to young girls. So who are transitioning from grade school or junior high to high school or high school to college and really supporting in that transition. And then, you know, it seemed as though there became this influx of women across every scale of their lifetime And I think what became more and more apparent was inner shoes is the modern woman's community for courage at any level of transition and change in their life. You know, moms who are losing their jobs or parents that were now having three of their kids come home to move back. And now it's like, who are we (laughs) as a family? Mm -hmm. Um, Frontliners, nurses, doctors, you name it. And so I think that was a really huge shift for us too, was redefining who is who is in her shoes mm-hmm. and what's her experience? I love that you call it the modern woman's community for courage. I, I think that's that's a great way to frame what it is that you're doing. So why don't you tell us a little more about the programming of In Her Shoes? What is the actual impact that you're having and what's it look like to be involved if you are a client? I don't know if you call them clients or if they're members or how does your organization operate? Yeah, that's a great question. So in terms of just inner shoes and the work that we do, a lot of our programs are broken down into professional programming and student programming. So for our students, our flagship program that we have every year is called the Catalyze Courage Summit. And for the first time in our history as an organization, we turned a one-day in-person summit that we usually have into a three-day virtual conference. Wow last year, which was really mind-boggling for us in terms of just the impact and scale we were able to reach. And so part of our programming for students, again, found the foundation of our work is around our question of what would you do if you're 1% more courageous, but what does that look like within the classroom, within your extracurriculars, and how are we training and developing you to be ready with 21st century skill sets for success, right? So it's not just about, you know, arithmetic or writing, but what about resilience, or courage, or empathy, you know, these quote-unquote soft skills that are really demanded of in this world. I mean, this world is calling for more and more courageous new leaders. So a lot of our programming focuses on that. Um, From the professional standpoint, we really focus on 
three things, which is one, mentorship, two is advocacy, and three is diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. So whether it's within an organization like Google, who's been a past partner of ours, and looking to see how can we incorporate this question of being 1% more courageous in terms of the actual training and development that we give to our women, or just fostering a sense of mentorship and what does that look like from recent college graduates trying to navigate their first careers. Mm. So those are really the two avenues that we create impact with our community. Um, And if you want to get involved, my goodness, I mean, take your pick. (laughs) We're always open and love meeting new people, whether you self-identify as female or if you're one of our male allies, you know, we're completely just open to anyone who is seeking to continue to grow and evolve in their own journey of courage. Mm -hmm. And so you can be a volunteer, whether it's in person, fingers crossed, hopefully sooner than later, or virtually we have many workshops and programs that are completely online now. Um, Or simply if you want to join a chapter, which we have across the United States currently, and you can amplify both your own courageous story, but also the movement that is in our shoes. What about those chapters? What do the chapters do? Yes. So the chapters range in so many different activations, and it's all focused around, again, creating courageous community. One example, we just had a chapter event last night that was called The Movement, Highlighting Courageous Voices Towards Racial Equality. And it was a panel that highlighted, you know, this complete spectrum of past, present, and future voices for Black and BIPOC women of color that are advocates and really changing the game when it comes to both allyship, but also just female representation. And so we have educational workshops like that, all the way to, you know, learn to make your own candle, (laughs) (laughs) to take care of your own self, because it's, Mm -hmm. it's really challenging to pour into others if your cup is empty. So, you know, I, I'd like to think that these chapters are really an extension of just the headquarter team of Inner Shoes, which is, you know, fostering a sense of courageous community and continuing your own growth in every aspect of your life. Are those volunteer-run organizations? If people wanted to find those, how would they get involved? Yes, it is 100% volunteer-based, and I'm completely biased by saying we have the best volunteers in the world. (laughs) Um, And if you'd like to get involved, you can visit our website, which is www.innershoesmovement.org, and you'll find all the information there. Great. And then for your summit for your students that you were talking about, that's for high school students. Is that correct? Uh, historically it was. And then, you know, Becky 2020 happened. (laughs) So so I I don't want to lie to anyone here and say, yes, it's only for high school students. It's it's welcome to anyone who identifies as female. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, our allies, right? So my dad and my brother attended and they're so sweet. You know, they were cheering me on and supporting our first virtual conference, but you know, it, it was also really great to celebrate our or girl dads, you know, and, and the, the people who are also amplifying the importance of supporting girls and women. Sure. How many people did you have at that conference? Yes, we had over a thousand registrations, which was amazing. Um, granted, too, there was, there was so much, I feel, during that time around, you know, gosh, how long is, are we going to still be in this virtual world? <laughs> yeah. So we were, we were really excited about that and just really eager to see how many more lives and just courageous stories of, 
of everyday women and girls that we can amplify. I read in an article, I think it was in Parade Magazine, you were quoted in an article that it was a story, I believe it was about Kate Blanchett's movie, Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Yes. And talking about women finding their voices. And, you know, you were talking about women opening up, how it's important, especially about their fears and their failures and their struggles and how hard that can be. And that, you know, you have found through your work at In Her Shoes that when women open up and communicate and really get vulnerable and share that, that it really helps so many other people do that. I'm wondering, what do you do in your work that helps women find their voices, that helps them step into that power and share in that way? Yeah, I love that question. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is this practice and belief of, quote unquote, passing the mic. You know, and I think part of that is having a a safe space and a container for young girls, especially to ask questions. You know, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there is this really brilliant Ted talk that expresses, you know, young boys are trained and developed and taught by society to be strong and young girls are taught and trained and developed by society to be perfect. And I think that there is very little space for growth, let alone curiosity and questioning in a box of perfection. Yeah. And so I think part of, you know, again, our question, what would you do if you're 1% more courageous? You've said it so many times already. It begins that dialogue. You know, it, it begins the entryway to be vulnerable, authentic, and really to begin trusting your own voice. But it's really hard to trust your own voice if you're not even giving the being given the platform to discover it. And so I'd say that's really one thing that we provide um, at Inner Shoes. And and I think one big pillar of that is also being an organization that is very much committed to authenticity and just celebrating the quirks and questions of humanity, really. Um, And so I think granting permission for that is really one way that we go about it. I love your phrase, box of perfection. (laughs) that it's hard to do that inside of a box of perfection. I never thought of that before, but what a perfect image to think about that in because you really do box yourself in. And I think so many women especially get boxed into the perfection trap. Mm -hmm. And how can we be perfect and how can I put it out there perfectly? And I know there's an author and I wish I could think of her name because she deserves full credit for this, but she did a study of students, of high school students, of high school girls in particular, and why they seem to be burning out at these rates that are so much higher than their male counterparts. And she was talking about when she looked at it, you know, if the girl could take, you know, five AP classes, she would take five and then want to take six. If she got a 98 on a homework assignment, but the teacher said you could do this paper and get five more points, she would do the paper to get the five more points, even though she was already at a 98. And what she was finding was that the the male students would say, oh, I have a 90. That's an A. Yeah, I don't, I don't, what do I need those points for? I got the A, you know? And so she was talking about just this need that somehow girls have fallen into this trap of the need of needing to be perfect, to always push, to get more, 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 even when what you are delivering and what you have is good, is great. It's a kind of a weird trap that we've kind of pulled girls into in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's, 
My goodness, again, 2020 was such a highlighter, I think, of, of deep-rooted big questions like this, yeah. you know, and, and it's not even just tied to girls. It's also how are boys being taught that they have to show up. And if you show up in this way, then that means you're, you're strong, you're masculine, you are a man, you know, mm-hmm. so it's these different paradigms of identity and, and the intersection of, of it all, I think. So yeah, I, I think that's a great story to tell and, and the impact that we have on each other. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you know, unwinding all of those different threads, because I do think it is also difficult for for boys. I have a boy and a girl, and I think it is difficult for boys sometimes to figure out, you know, exactly where they fall into all of this with mm-hmm. so much focus on, you know, the girls and empowering them and helping them, them find their voices, you know, to help them also find their space in where all of that is and how they fit into the equation. So I love the fact that you you know, you said your dad and your brother were at the conference, they're cheering you on. And I'm sure that they took away some very interesting things. Did they share anything with you about their experience going through your virtual conference and how that was for them? Yeah, they did. You know, for me, it's always, you know, as the quote unquote rebel of the family, which I, I really roll my eyes at when they, when they say that to me, kind of like tease me, uh, like this nonprofit renegade over here. Um, but yeah, you know, for me, it, it's, there's so much meaning when they take part in our programming. Cause one, it's always like a, a beautiful show of love, I think for me and, and support, which is great. But also too, I think it, it reverberates this ripple effect of what's possible. Like that was my 1%, you know, like mm. now I have a, a father and a brother and my brother just had their first child a few months ago. And so I'm just thinking, wow, you know, my 1%, now has the ability to impact the way that my dad and my brother can interact with the world. Yeah. And maybe if it's just for one moment, but that's still something. And so if that's just me, my goodness, you know, what could everyone's 1% look like? And so just having them share with me that they see how needed these conversations are. Mm-hmm. And also to it's having them begin to be curious, you know, like, huh, millennials, okay. <laughs> like that was something my dad said, like, Oh, all right. Yeah. 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 I'm learning. I'm learning more. Or just even learning what the word allyship means. Mm-hmm. What, what is diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging? What is social impact? Huh. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's planting the seeds and I think change and transformation doesn't happen overnight. And so just hearing that for me was like more of a personal victory, if anything. <laughs> Sure, absolutely. And, you know, you're right. It's it's the questions, and it goes back to that beginner's mindset that you talked about earlier of being able to allow yourself to go to a space where you don't know, where you may have to sit in curiosity and wonder and be open to learning something new. I'm curious, you know, you're a person who you clearly have to live in a space where you hold truths that are in tension with one another and you know, as we navigate new normals and paradigms are starting to shift, it's a very uncomfortable space to be in these in-between spaces. We talk about that a lot on this show, the in-between spaces and how you stay there. And when you're asking a question like you're asking, if you were just 1% more courageous, you know, what would what would you do? That's asking somebody to sit in that in-between space because you're not quite there yet. You're trying to imagine what it would be like to be there. I'm curious for you, especially since you were a philosophy major, you know, 
when you think about these things or how do you hold yourself in those spaces of tension where it's you're not quite there yet? It's the in-between, you know, what do you do to ground yourself, to keep yourself motivated and on the path? Because it's so easy to retreat. It's just so easy to go back to what you know and what's comfortable and what's safe. And to live in that space before you get there, before you have the confidence or the courage even, how how do you personally get yourself there or pull yourself through? Yes. Honestly, I'm still searching. <laughs> Constantly still searching. Um, definitely a student of life for sure. But I think what I've, I've found that's helped ground me and pull me back to this place, I'd say has been a practice over the years and it like tangibly some of those practices and I call them rituals is daily meditation, right? So something as simple as meditating twice a day, I meditate in the morning and I meditate in the evening. I journal daily. I definitely, you know, as much as I feel as though I, I can express myself verbally, my, my preferred method and modality of expression has always been writing. And so journaling my own thoughts and fears and insecurities helps ground me in the reality of like, wow, yeah, this is how I'm feeling in this moment. Mm. This sucks. <laughs> this, mm-hmm. is, this is scary and uncomfortable and icky and I don't like it here. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, again, referencing over and over, like it's just a practice. And I think for me, I've just learned to love the love the practice as much as I love the game. Mm. You know, just the practice is all of it. Another practice for me too is, is engaging with my mentors. That's a ritual for me is to have weekly check-ins with mentors that I trust and admire. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I bring that up because I'd always roll my eyes when my one of my mentors would say, life is a, is a journey and not a destination. And I would just roll my eyes and think, oh my gosh, but I want to get there already. Right. <laughs> what do you mean journey? Like this right. is hodgepodge, you know? I want to um, do something. <laughs> yeah, I want to do, I want to do something. I want it now. I don't want to wait. What is this patience nonsense? Right. <laughs> just right. all of it, right? And, and that's part of the process too. And so, yeah, I would say that's how I ground myself is allowing myself to have the space and be radically candid in a way that, I would hope other people are around me because mm. I, I think part of a bane and boon of inner shoes, you know, is it's really challenging to mobilize people to catalyze courage. If I'm not doing that for myself, it just doesn't work. And so a lot of me being courageous actually looks like learning to be still and not rushing and not bulldozing my way <laughs> through whatever next thing I need to do. And it's so difficult. Like you said, it's so difficult to be still and to sit in that. But that's where it comes from. That's where it all starts to germinate and it starts to get in there. And that's what gives you the the fuel to move forward and have those moments of major courage. I am sure that in the past year, you have had many moments where you have had to test your, your courage. And I'm curious if anything in particular stands out from this last year for you personally. Oh my gosh, Becky. Uh, yes. <laughs> so many things, I'm sure. Where to start? <laughs> One thing that really comes top of mind, and I think it's because, you know, it's also permeated a lot of my conversations with some of our students is I've noticed a lot of changes also in, in my friend groups, you know, from this past year in terms of just 
where people are at in their lives, you know, people getting married, people moving, people changing just their viewpoints on the world, you know, people showcasing where they stand in terms of the state of the world, even, you know, and I think that for me had me confront on a very personal level, you know, who am I and what do I stand for? And I think also too, in this past year, there have been so many courageous moments of reevaluating my why and reevaluating all of these things that I thought were so solid, right? Whether it's the way I go about doing work to, you know what? I know we've been friends for practically all of our lifetimes, but I don't think we agree on the same things. And I don't know if we value the same things anymore. And what does that look like for me? You know, like having those conversations and opening myself up to not knowing how this conversation is going to go. Yeah. <laughs> I've been having a lot of uncomfortable conversations that have led to a lot of life changes, but also so much growth and also deepening relationships too. So yeah, I think that's the first thing that comes to mind in terms of courage and how it's been challenging me in this past year. I bet. That's a big one. That's a really big one. And anytime it affects your personal relationships, it's the, the radar and all of our defenses go up. That gets very difficult very fast. So yes. it's a good area for all of us to look into. Well, Judith, I thank you so much for being here today. I want to talk about so many other things with you. I know that we have used up most of our time, but can you tell everybody where can they learn more about In Her Shoes Movement and where can they keep up with you? Yes. So you can learn more about Inner Shoes anywhere that has Wi-Fi connection or internet online on social media. Our handle across all of social media is at Inner Shoes Movement uh, and on our website at www.innershoesmovement.org. And you can follow me along on Instagram or LinkedIn. I always love connecting with new folks and yeah. Just look me up. <laughs> Wonderful. And I'll put I'll put links to all of that in the show notes so that people can get there very quickly and very easily. And thank you for sharing your story with us today. It's always so inspiring to hear people who, you know, follow the whispers from their soul, who have the courage to do that because it's not easy. It's it's not easy, especially when you're going up against expectations, especially when you're, you know, moving through something that you thought was the plan. You thought that's really what it was going to be. And to make such a hard turn and say, eeks, nope, I'm going to try something totally different and I'm just going to give it a whirl through a Kickstarter campaign. I love that. <laughs> I love it. And now look at it so many years later, thriving, flourishing. You are getting accolades after accolades for your work. And it's really a beautiful thing to see that you've done. So thank you for being here and sharing your story with us today. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you, Becky. It was such an honor to share this space with you. So I appreciate it. And I appreciate all the listeners and the community that you're fostering. I would love to hear what you thought of today's show. Did you get something valuable from it? If so, don't keep it a secret. Tell your friends and family. I want everyone to unleash their soul song because the world needs all our beautiful music. I'd also really appreciate if you subscribe to the show on iTunes, rate and review. You may not realize it, but that's the best way to help other people find the show. I hope you'll come visit with me at theintuneexperience.com. While you're there, download your free copy of Intune Insights, designed to inspire you to unleash your soul song. I'd also love to hear from you on Instagram at unleash your soul song. 
Shoot me a message. Let me know. What'd you think about the show? Tell me what you want to hear about and what you're struggling with so that I can craft shows that provide you with insights, inspiration, and the tools you need to venture on your own personal journey. Listen, this world is busy. Our days are really full and life is super distracting. We're pulled in so many different directions every day. And so I thank you for joining me here today. Have a great week. You and me, you and me, he and she, he and she, next door neighbor, stranger down the street. Form a chain, form a chain, grab the clouds, grab the clouds, cause we haven't even touched our highest ground. No, we haven't even touched our highest ground. No, we haven't even touched our highest ground. Unleash Your Soul Song is recorded and edited in 426 Studios, the music production company that I co-own. For more information about our music and our services, please visit www.four26studios.com. That's www.four26studios.com.